Father, as we turn to your word, we pray that you'd speak to us. Lord, every Sunday as we gather together, we come here that we might honor and worship you above all else. And we come here that as the body of Christ, we might hear from you. That you would give us guidance, that you would convict us, that you would encourage us, or that you would use your word to transform our lives. Equip and encourage us in all areas of life to live kingdom first every day of every week of every year for the honor and glory of our King. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. October 8th of 1871, a fire began in a barn. The winds were strong enough to begin to push the fire. The season had been dry enough that the wooden buildings were pretty dried out. And this fire would end up burning for over 24 hours before rain would finally come and put it out. It would destroy four miles long and one mile wide of the city. 17,500 buildings. 90,000 people would be homeless, a third of the population and 300 would lose their lives. The Great Chicago Fire. A fire that would change the way that they would construct buildings. It was so devastating that ordinances were passed that the buildings must be made differently. They needed to be fire resistant. Now it was pretty expensive to do that, There was a lot of uprising with those who were poor because they couldn't afford it. In 1874, another fire hit Chicago. Another 800 buildings were destroyed. Something had to be done. They began to construct terracotta tiles to go onto the roofs. Terracotta is a clay substance that is fire resistant, a reddish brown typically substance. They began to make tiles for the roof. They began to make insulation to go around the structures of iron inside buildings that they started to make. Everything they could do not to stop fires because they couldn't do that. That rain that finally came that put that fire out They could not make that happen. Tragically, in the fire, waterworks, the major public system, the major building where the water came from was actually destroyed before firefighters could get to it and use it. Because you can't control the rain. You can't really control the fires. Even today, with all of our technology, we still have buildings that catch fire the best you could do was find a way to help the buildings resist the fire. Go through it. The same is true in our lives. We cannot stop 
the struggles. We cannot stop those things that are challenging and hard. We can't stop those things that devastate us at times. They're going to come. What we need is a form of terracotta. We need something that helps us get through the struggles. And we have it. When I give you the answer, some will think to themselves, self, that is interesting. I will ponder that. Some will go, amen. But unless you're Anton, it won't be out loud. And many more will think, that's a little bit of a letdown. I was hoping for something a little more. Faith. We have one terracotta. Faith. The only thing given us to get through our trials, our struggles, the fires, everything that's going to come into our life. Faith. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 9. We're going to look briefly at this account that was read to us earlier. Acts chapter 9. Rather incredible story. Through faith, God changes circumstances. Through faith, God changes circumstances. In the account, there is a disciple. Her name is Tabitha. And for some reason, it struck me as very odd, which translated means Dorcas. That is so unhelpful. <laughs> that does not mean anything. Um, I thought to myself, I should have stricken that out from the reading, um, which means Dorcas. Um, she was full of good works and acts of charity. This is a really good disciple of Christ. And she dies. Well, before this, they're describing how Peter did a healing, and it spread. So when she dies, they go, Peter's not far from here. Word is spread of the miraculous things that God is doing. Let's get Peter and have him come here. That right there is an act of faith. Let's go get Peter and see what could happen. And when Peter arrives... Rightfully so, there's all this mourning going on. And, and I, it's such a touching, it's so touching to me where they, are, they have her clothes, the tunic, stuff that she made, and they're all holding it. And there's something really beautiful about that. And then Peter says, all right, everybody out of the room. I don't know why he did that. Maybe because Jesus did that a few times in his ministry and Peter was actually with him one time. He says, everybody out. And he kneels down and begins to pray. And then God answers this prayer in an incredible way. And she look, he looks at her. Tabitha, arise. And her eyes open. Because through faith, God changes circumstances. And, and this is not, if you go through the Gospels, you will see this kind of thing over and over again in the teachings and the words of Christ, how much faith changes circumstances. 
There's a point where the winds are blowing so hard, they threaten to capsize the boat. And the disciples are freaking out. And Jesus says to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? There's a point where Peter is walking on the water and he's doing great until he starts looking at the storms and he begins to sink. And Jesus doesn't say anything about him not having floaties or anything like that. He says a very similar thing. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Faith. When the disciples at one point can't cast a demon out, and they're, they're trying to figure this out. He says, it's because of your little faith. When he's talking to people about the very necessities of life, the very basics, food and clothing, he says, oh, you of little faith. Every one of them are faith, 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 faith. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, Jesus says you can do what? Move mountains. When speaking of healing, he says to a young woman, your faith has made you well. When talking to two blind men who have been healed, he says, your faith has made you well. When talking to another woman, he says, your faith is great. May it be done as you have believed. Faith. And he goes so far as to say this. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. How many of us actually believe that? But I mean, this is not like a one-off. This is not like one story. This keeps coming in the teaching of Jesus throughout the entire ministry. It's what happens with, with the disciples when they call Peter. It's what happens when Peter says, Tabitha, arise. And it is what has been happening throughout the history of the church. I'm going to tell you just one story. This is a quote from the biography of George Mueller. He was born in 1805. He did most of his ministry around 1830. 25 years old is when it started for him. But this is a quote. The thoughtful Christian, when in his daily reading of the scriptures, he meets with any of the wonderful promises made about believing prayer, often pauses to ask himself, what can these words mean? And isn't that part of, even as you hear, by faith, by faith, by faith, well, what does that really mean, though? Can it be that God has made such promises as these to me and to such men as I am? Have I really permission to commit all my little affairs to a God of infinite wisdom, believing that he will take charge of them and direct them according to the promptings of the boundless love and absolute omniscience that is his. Now let me just tell you a little about his life. He believed that he was called to help orphans. He was a poor man himself. No savings, no big backers. And here's what he would do. He would end up building three orphanages that would house 1,100 orphans. He would provide food for them. He hired teachers to educate them. 
along the path, he felt like God was calling him to get the scriptures out more. And so he started a society where he began handing out Bibles and tracts. And he began to support missionaries. He raised more than a million dollars in the early 1800s. And here's the incredible part. How do you raise money? I mean, here's what we did for the capital campaign. We had meetings. We called the church together in small groups. We shared the vision. We asked everybody to pray about coming on board. We had all of these great things set up. We had a special meeting with the people in our church who have the most means to ask them would they consider giving even more to give us going. Because this is how fundraising is done. You get people, you give them visions, you especially find those that are most wealthy, and then you do things like you put their name on the hospital wing, on the chapel. Here's what he did. He prayed. That was it. He literally, for years, he just prayed. And you can go through his autobiography, and he keeps talking about when everything's happened, he prays. He doesn't once, over decades of ministry, go to somebody and just go, hey, we need this. Everything when they need, this, is, this was how he operated. When they needed something, when there wasn't enough money for the food for the kids, when they had to build a new building, whatever it was, first, he would give. He had very little, but he would still give. And then he would say, God, your word says to pray when we have needs. And so we have needs right now, and I'm praying. And at some point, God would come through. And this guy, over all these years, just through believing in prayer, raised all of this money, helped all of these kids, got all these Bibles out there, helped these missionaries. And stories like this, are, they are all throughout our history. Because faith changes circumstances. And he writes this. Actually, somebody writing about him. He asked no one but God, and all his wants have been regularly supplied. It is thus that he has endeavored to show an unbelieving world that God is a living God and that he means what he has said in every one of his promises. Partway through, part of his idea was, you know what? God says this. I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to show the world that the promises of God are real. And the witness of his life was that. And what was interesting to me is when I read that, to show an unbelieving world, I thought, I need to know that still. And I'm part of the believing world. I need to know it. Faith changes circumstances. Will we trust him? Now, on the other hand, the rain didn't come for 24 hours. That fire burned. And sometimes, faith may not change the circumstance, but it will carry you through the circumstance. Faith is the only terracotta we have. It will either change the circumstance we are in, 
or it will carry us through the circumstance we are in. Turn to Revelation. This is our second reading. And it's an interesting passage. Revelation chapter 7. Love this dialogue. Verse 13, chapter 7. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And it's talking about this great multitude that no one could number. Who are these people? I said to him, verse 14, Sir, you know. And he said to me, he said to me These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Don't miss that. Not the ones that didn't go through or were protected or were transported from or they came out of the great tribulation. These are the ones that went through a time that is so traumatic that Jesus said, you will run from the hills and wish your children weren't born. It is so bad. They came through that. They came out of that. How? Because faith can carry us through our circumstances. Because faith gives us a hope and a strength. Faith gives us a possibility of a future. Faith gives us a very different interpretation of where we are and what we're going through than when you don't have faith. I'll tell you what, when you don't have faith and you don't believe in a transcendent being that is doing something in this world, then your worst circumstances are just bad circumstances. Because there isn't an overriding hand. There's nothing happening. But that is not what our Bible teaches us. That is not what our history teaches us. It is not what Jesus teaches us. Remember the scene in the garden where he says, yet not my will but yours. And he goes to a moment in history where, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What does it take to go through that? Faith. Faith that the Father is working. Faith that there is something coming on the other side. Because faith can carry us through our circumstances. So also, in 1871, there was a man in Chicago, and this man's name was Horatio, and he was a, a lawyer. He had invested in property in Chicago. Guess what happened to his investment? It was part of the great Chicago fire, and it was burned. His family, a wife and four daughters, stayed in Chicago for two years ministering and helping those who had been, who were made homeless from the fire. After two years of just constant work, they needed a break. And so this man decided they'd take a trip to Europe. He was friends with Dwight Moody, who was preaching at the time in England. And so they decided to make a trip. Because of business, he had to stay behind and he sent his wife and daughters on a ship. That ship was called the Ville de Uve. It's my best French. And it's important. I'll tell you why in a minute. On the journey, they collided with another ship. 
it went down. Over 200 people lost their lives, including all four of his daughters. When his wife got to England, she sent a telegram back, two words, saved alone. Just his wife. He got on that ship, and he made the journey to be with her. And while on that ship, he wrote a hymn that we continue to sing today. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Vil da'uv means it is well, and it was the original title of the song. It is well. Talk about faith carrying you through. He wrote it as he crossed the very area where the oceans stole his daughters from him. He would meet up with his wife and they would go on to keep doing ministry. They would end up in Jerusalem with others and they would be ministering to all different faith backgrounds during World War I. I mean, it, the, the organization that he founded. Because faith carries us through. Faith changes our circumstances. And when it doesn't change our circumstances, it carries us through our circumstances. However, and here's the big takeaway. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 10, our gospel reading. John chapter 10, it's the Feast of Dedication. They're in Jerusalem. Jesus is walking in the temple, and Jews gather around him. And they say, verse 24, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them this, I told you, and you do not believe. The words that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. Here's the thing I want to say about faith, and this is what I've seen in my own life, and I want to share my own kind of personal confession that happens probably one out of every three Sundays. Um, when we are up and we do our time of confession, and, and oftentimes we'll take a moment, it'd be like 30 seconds, and say, just confess your own personal thing. And my confession will be, Lord, I'm not trusting you. And I can see it. I can see it in my life. And here's what I feel like. This is what my faith feels like at times. I feel like I am literally just standing right at the edge of the step. I can see it. I can feel myself leaning into it. And all it takes is just, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to believe in your love. I'm going to believe in your omniscience. I'm going to believe in your power. I'm going to believe in your promises. And the moment I start to do it, I step back. Because I'm so much more comfortable Trusting me. I'm so much more comfortable 
complaining about what's going on. I'm so much more comfortable like letting it go over and over in my head and being like, I've got to handle this than I am going, God, I know you love me. You have said all things will work out for my good. You have said you'll take care of my basic necessities, seek the kingdom first. You've said when I pray, you respond. I'm gonna trust you. Now I'm gonna move forward, trusting you. Whether you change what I'm in or whether I hang on to you as I go through it. Because I can tell you right now, I hang on so much to things that are not God. I hang on to my own explanations of things. I hang on to my own plans. I hang on to my own anger. I hang on to my own bitterness. I'm constantly hanging on to things that are not God. And here's how I know they're not God. I don't have it is well with my soul. I don't have peace. I have anxiety. I have frustration. I have anger. I have sleeplessness. Not it is well with my soul. Because that kind of peace comes when we trust. That kind of peace comes when we take that step. And I encourage you, just envision yourself for a moment. It is so close. That step of just going, I'm going with you. Not that it's going to be easy, but I'm going with you. And every time it starts coming up in me again, Lord, you are in control. Lord, you have loved me before even I was a, a thought. Lord, you gave your son for me. What's interesting about it as well is the way that he finds the peace. Second stanza, that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. He's noticed me, and I know this because he gave his own blood for my soul. Third stanza, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Because what he's seeing is that if Christ would do that, what is it that Christ won't do for him? If Christ would take all of his sin, and then he would come along and he would say, I will be with you until the end of the age. How can I not have peace in that? It is well with my soul. Faith changes circumstances. And when you pray and the rain doesn't immediately come and put the fire out, faith carries us through circumstances. And it offers the best peace we could find through our worst moments because it's given by an almighty God who loves us enough to give his son. That is what faith can do. Thirteen days before the great fire, a major luxury hotel called Palmer House was completed. 13 days. As the fire was raging, it was very clear it was gonna hit that hotel. The architect took the plans for the hotel. He went into a basement and he buried them 
underneath the mud and the sand and the heat from all of it ended up creating terracotta. It survived. He pulls the plans out and he is one of the ones that begins to tell everybody, we've got to use this stuff on the buildings. This is fire resistant. We need to put it on rooftops. We need to insulate the frames of the buildings because we can't stop the fire. But if this paper can be protected, what could this do for our buildings? And they used the architect's plans to rebuild this hotel exactly as it was before the fire, except the whole rooftop was terracotta. Inside the framing insulated terracotta. And it was billed as the world's only fire-resistant hotel is still in Chicago today. Faith. I don't stand up here just to give you another cliche. I stand up here to tell you this guy experienced what could happen when, it, when his paper was protected by the right substance. The Bible, the Lord Jesus, the apostles, and Christian after Christian throughout history has shown us the power of faith. Will we believe and take that step? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our trials range from those that are small annoyances to those that are crippling. Lord, for each one of us, for our sleepless nights, for our bitterness, for our struggles, for our hurting and our pain, for every struggle and trial that we have, Lord, give us a profound sense of the possibility of faith. That we would take a step that maybe we have not taken before. And we would give this stuff to you. We would believe you to change our circumstances or carry us through them. And Lord, that we might know a peace that makes it well with our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.